Hi, and welcome to the Crit RPG podcast, everyone. The only podcast where we invite award-winning people and also Jonathan McLean. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I had to. <laughs> no. I, just, I just couldn't. Screen just goes black. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> no. Um, I'm just a little bit, a little bit starstruck, so I, I hope you permit me to not... No, wait, what's the word? Overcompensate. There we go. That's the right word. Hey, man, I'm just like everybody else. You're you're, yeah. you're doing great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What about you, Jonathan? Are you also starstruck seeing seeing Seth? Every time, every time, <laughs> it never gets old. It never. Cool. It's like staring at the sun every time. And yeah, you I, definitely sound like my parents now. <laughs> I did tell Seth you are. I just said he said something to me. I wrote back, "You are this my second favorite person on the planet," and he wrote back, "Oh, you sound like my parents." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this is so cool. Uh, <laughs> I got a lot of yeah. issues. So just, yeah. If you are here for not the bones material, and if you're here for the real podcast, these two lovebirds have been going at it for about 20 minutes already. <laughs> it is great. It is just the best bromance I've ever had on here. It's amazing. <laughs> um, and last week I had a gay couple, so you go. <laughs> Who said we're not? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, let me call. Uh, like, it's, it's what's, a, what's, a, what's an American tabloid? Quick. Give me the number. <laughs> what isn't? Oh, that's, uh, oh, that's really true. Is a better question. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, so today we are here with Seth McDuffie and Jonathan McLean, who are a power duo and who brought a big sneaky barbarian to life. Um You've maybe read that on KU, uh, but I'm going to let people introduce themselves anyway, because this is the first time I've actually had a non-author on the show, uh, a narrator. But how about this? To build a little bit of suspense, Seth, why don't you talk about yourself real real quick and <laughs> tell us who, who you are? All right. You want suspense? Yes. Long ago. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, so, yeah, I am Seth McDuffie. I am the author of Big Sneaky Barbarian, a what I would describe as a comedy action chaos lit RPG feast for the mind and the ears and sometimes the eyes, if you're the reading sort. Um, but yeah, it's a, you want intro me intro the book. How do you like this? Um, this is basically all I need for right now. <laughs> I will stop talking immediately. No, because this 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 <laughs> podcast will be very delicate to balance, and I'm really going to enjoy doing so. I really like having both of you here, all jokes aside. But I do also want to hear what Jonathan has to say for himself. Sure. I'm Jonathan McLean, and I narrated Seth's book, Big Sneaky Barbarian. <laughs> I, I, I'm i an actor and a writer, uh, and I've had a... <laughs> a weird circuitous career um, that started in Chicago doing theater, moved to New York doing theater, moved to LA and mm -hmm. TV and film. Um, and at some point along the way, someone was like, Hey, your voice isn't awful. Do you want to narrate audiobooks?" And uh, I was like, do you pay? And they said, <laughs> sure. And I was like, yes. Um, <laughs> fast forward 10 years and I've narrated almost 200. Um, mm -hmm which is by no means a record, but feels like a lot. And about three or four years ago, I got my first lit RPG opportunity. And it felt like at that point, because I narrate <clears throat> all kinds of stuff, 
I went through periods where I was like, I was the military fiction guy. And then I was like the spy thriller guy. And then when this genre fell into my lap, I was like, oh, this is the one for me. This feels <laughs> like the right fit. And, um, and really, honestly, got me through the three years of the unpleasantness, uh, as mm -hmm. I like to call it, uh, AKA <laughs> pandemic. Um, and then also, interestingly, and this is just a very sort of inside baseball side note, I'm a actor and a writer. I'm in both the Writers Guild of America and the Screen Actors Guild, both of which are mm -hmm. on strike as we're recording this podcast. Mm -hmm. I've been on strike as a writer since May and as an actor since July. But audiobooks aren't actually struck work. So mm -hmm. it's been the one thing I can't, I can't write any of the scripts I was supposed to write. I can't, you know, do any TV or film. But I've been able to narrate audiobooks all through this time. I've been living in this world for a while. And uh, and then Seth and I met. And then I realized I had found my purpose. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This podcast is over. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Thank you. Thank, you for, thank you for coming. Thanks, everybody. Tip well. Good night. <laughs> So usually I have like a set of questions that I ask people. Um, Jonathan, you said you wrote some stuff. I would love to know what. But how about this? We play a little bit of ping pong, see where it goes. I will just start with Seth because most people might actually know Big Sneaky Barbarian. It got recommended a few times on Reddit when I started out. People were talking about it. So how about it, Seth? Tell us a little bit about how and why did you write Big Sneaky Barbarian? Uh, yeah. Um, so as previously mentioned, uh, when we were first chatting, uh, <laughs> uh, basically I guess it all kind of started because of an offhand comment that one of my friends made during a D and D game, uh, that I misheard. I misheard him saying the term big sneaky barbarian. And this was like 15 years ago and it stuck right directly, uh, behind my cerebellum. And it just like festered there. And then during the, what would you call it? The unfortunate times? I can't remember. Yeah, the unpleasantness. <laughs> the unpleasantness. Yeah. Uh, on, on our podcast, we call it the chocolate milk famine. Because uh, <laughs> you guys remember chocolate milk was like suddenly missing everywhere. Anyway, uh, during the chocolate milk famine, uh, we, I, I, you know, set out to do something different. I was working as an editor for a newspaper. And I was uh, juggling between two different newspapers. And so I was spending a ton of time writing in general. I'd been writing for years, but it was like such a perfect time to start doing it. And that term, that big sneaky barbarian was still sticking in my head. And a lot of the things that I always like gravitate towards are misheard things. I'm like Mr. Mondegreen, essentially. And I uh, basically had that in there and I was like, what could that be though? And I started like developing this character. I wanted, you know, this, this idea for a character that may not be what they appear to be on the surface. Mm -hmm. And that started me down the path of, you know, what's not done very often, probably for good reason is <laughs> unlikable characters that mm -hmm. try to infuse them with sympathy from the audience and the readers and the people around them to the point that they eventually grow. And I'm a huge fan of things like it's always sunny in Philadelphia, uh, where the main characters are kind of shitty, but you really like them mm -hmm. anyway. 
And so I was like, this has got to be a comedy because if I make this serious, you know, this is going to be like Angela's ashes. People are not going to feel good when they read it. So that's kind of how it started. And it just sort of built from there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Awesome. And then of course the rest is history or yes. history. Um, if you haven't read it, Bixnuki Barbarian is about, uh, well, it's an isekai. Um, it's about a young boy with anger issues who gets pulled into a different world for nefarious purposes. And it was on purpose, right? He chose Orc on purpose. Yeah, he's basically given two options based on his, essentially like his previous world abilities mm -hmm. and likableness and everything like that. He gets the option of human and Orc. And yeah. he despises being a human. So he says, fuck it, I'm going Orc. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The way you did this, the way you made him relatable was you gave him, well, you gave him a tragic backstory that sounds so easy to do, but <laughs> you really made people understand, hey, this anger, this stuff doesn't come from nowhere. He isn't just angry because he doesn't want to be fun. There's something he has to like battle out. And I completely agree with you. It's super hard to write that, especially in RPG, because RPG is mostly read for people who want escapism, mm -hmm. right? So if you're writing something like that, then... Um, yeah, it's often the case that it needs a broader audience to really breathe and really find itself. And I do think you nailed that. Um, well, but you. I also think that, for example, the audiobook helped. Right? <laughs> we spoke about this before the podcast. I do think that audiobooks do really make lit RPG come to life. Yeah, and I would say definitely in this instance, because like with Jonathan, like he understood kind the humor but also like kind of the kind of melancholic tragedy of this narrative that I was trying to go for. Mm -hmm. um, I mentioned earlier, like if he, if you read this straight, like a lot of people have a very specific tone in their head when they start reading, mm -hmm. you read it straight and it's a different experience, but you read it from the lens of a voice that understands it's supposed to be humor. Like Jonathan reciting mm -hmm. it to you, he, he, intrinsically understood the humor of it and the type of story this was supposed to be in my mind. And that's why I think it's been so successful with the audiobook. Just he get, he got it and he forces other people to get it because of that. <laughs> so you're telling me the way I read it in a bathrobe, <laughs> in a spa, while there was calm music in the background, wasn't the ideal way? So, you know, mileage varies, but... <laughs> 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 I, but I, I feel like you probably gave yourself the best leg up for reading it. I mean, that's hard yeah. to beat. I had my feet in one of those like cold bath, hot bath things. It was great. <laughs> Just one in each. Well, what's, yeah, what's like, funny like, is I, that's, I, I switched. Well, that's how I record it. You're just <laughs> describing the environment that I... Yeah. Explains so much. In. Yeah, yeah. It was like all those grunts. They weren't planned. There was like massage going on. Like, yeah, <laughs> no, that's organic. <laughs> Very much so. Okay, Jonathan. Tell us about, well, actually, let's tell, us, tell us about your writing because you've been writing stuff. So go ahead, please. Sure. I, yes, I'm a professional writer. And I, and actually, m my acting and writing career began concurrently uh, when I was 21. I wrote a one-man show. So mm -hmm. that was the first time I'd ever written something. And I wrote it to perform myself. And I, I do think that caring about language in the way that a writer cares about language probably 
inform. I mean, I, I always feel like it's my responsibility when I'm narrating to honor as much as possible the work in front of me, not impose upon mm -hmm. it my will or just do what I would do, but actually try and find the voice in the work as best I'm able and mm -hmm. then deliver a performance that comports with that. So mm -hmm. for my writing history is I wrote that one man show. And then a few years later, I actually wrote a, a TV series that got some attention. And then I sold a couple of TV pilots and then I pitched another thing. And then um, I wrote a movie, as, as I was saying to Maddox before we came on, um, the one time I was in Berlin was that a, a film I wrote premiered at the Berlin Film Festival. Um, and uh, then the weirdest fucking thing that I don't talk about a lot, but there's a sector of the literary community who is very aware of this um, several years ago. So here's the joke I always say, if you're a guy and you narrate audiobooks and you have kind of a baritone uh, at some point, someone's going to say, Hey, do you want to narrate romance? And the answer that you should give is yes. And, uh, and I did. <laughs> and um, I narrated this romance series and the, the woman who wrote them, her name is Julie. She's a New York times bestselling romance novelist. And they were like, I, I look, I had a bunch of preconceptions about what romance would be. And it is a lot of that, but also what she wrote is just different. And, and I happen mm. to know the, one of the producers of Handmaid's Tale. And so I said, Hey, I think I have a book series that could be adapted into a TV series. And we did, mm. I said, her books got Julie's books got optioned. I wrote the TV pilot. And because of that, she said, I really like the way you write. Do you want to write romance novels with me? And, oh. uh, not bearing the lead too deeply. Uh, I am an Amazon top 100 best-selling romance novelist. I have published <laughs> 10 romance novels co-written with this woman. And, uh, and I recently came back from the world's biggest romance book convention where I moderated a panel and signed a bunch of books and whatever. So <laughs> wow, that's so when I said earlier, before we started that I've got a weirder career than anybody I've ever known, I'm not fucking around. I've got a weirder oh, yeah. than anybody I've ever known. So oh, yeah. that's, so oh, that's kind of, so that bring, I think that brings us up to present. Um, so that's, <laughs> that's where we are. That's what I've done. Wow. In uh, my movie. So... Oh, my movie. My movie is called. Oh, the yeah. Outfit. The movie. Yeah. My movie. Yes. My movie is called The Outfit. It stars Mark Rylance, Zoe Deutsch, Dylan O'Brien, and uh, Johnny Flynn. And it is available to rent or stream now. And we, <laughs> we came out in 2022 opening the same weekend as uh, Batman. So that <laughs> was, wow. tactically, yeah, yeah, that was not the move. But 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 it's done very well on streaming and you can find it. So watch it because I'm super proud of it. Seth watched it. You thought it was all right, right? Yeah, it was really good. Okay, thanks. Yeah, doing doing a movie is is very hard. Um, I've worked in movies very briefly as a bitch for everything. Uh, sorry, a cable guy. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've been giving you kind of a hard time, I feel like, but I do actually think that that's a very interesting career, right? You did a lot of everything and actually you stuck with your creative stuff. And I think that's super cool because I certainly didn't. I have only started doing this like a year ago again. So there you go. So, so were you, were you, so did you think you were going to make movies or is that why you got Oh, I know I write good scripts, but... I thought I would have a career in movies because it was something that I thought was cool because it was creative and that kind of stuff. But the project didn't really, like it got released good. Uh, it was a documentary about female composers, great cause, great movie. I think at least educationally. But I also realized that 
the working schedule it wasn't really for me. I just get super tired and I got super stressed out. And yeah, uh, it's it's fucking hard. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. It's way harder work than most people think. I mean, look at you. You you had a lot of stuff done already. And um, yeah, so people do. I, I bought a bunch of shit. I had to figure out how to pay for, man. And so you know, <laughs> yes, everything. Yeah. yeah, I got a, <laughs> a new switch. Uh, this stuff doesn't pay for itself. That's um, right. That's right. Uh, no, I mean, I was, t- was just saying I didn't want to give you a hard time, but the second you mentioned romance novels, in my mind's eye, I could already see the YouTube thing going like, this is where people dropped. And um, because <laughs> lit RPG readers in general are notoriously allergic to everything romance. So if oh. you still listen to this, thank you so much. Yeah, no. Sorry, Seth, do you want to talk about when you did the transgender reveal for a brief moment? Oh, so yeah, see, and and so in book two, you know, spoilers uh, here for anybody who hasn't checked it out. So to me, it was a surprise at how many people dropped from my uh, Royal Road when that chapter came out, like, uh, I think 600 people <laughs> just bailed. And it's wow. like, it's a very minor mention. Uh, it was some guy wrote a, a review that was like, it's got this book has some woke stuff, but it's like kind of subtle. So it's not a big deal. Uh, but it seems like propaganda. I was like, I, I just to me, it made sense that and, it, and it's and it's weird to, to have this as a hang up. But if you go to another world, there's all these stories, these isekai stories yeah. where people go to another world and they become orcs, elves fucking devils tree people whatever and where the weirdness happens if you are a friend of the kazoo ad you have to be very very strong now i regret to inform you that shirtaloon went and bought the tear that removes the kazoo ad from all podcasts and and now just gone. So you got Shirtaloon to thank for that. On the other hand, if you want to add the kazoo ad again, there's a tier for that too. Thanks so much for listening, and let's get on with the show. As if, as if somebody goes in and they're like, you know what, I'm gonna, I was male, and now I'm gonna try it out as female. That to me, that wasn't a big deal, and it's a very minor part. It's like maybe a sentence in yeah. the book but there were so many people that were like pissed off about it although i did get like on uh the progression fantasy subreddit there was a there was a thread about it and people were yeah. pretty pleased because of the way that it's revealed yeah. is apparently very realistic i'm good yeah. yeah well can i can i say something about this because when yeah. i read it and, and engaged with it the thing that i liked about it is the response to it by the other characters mm-hmm. and it's born out of the fact that it's like we're dealing with some real life or death shit right now. Things are trying to kill us. Oh, you're a chick now? Cool. Can you as a chick help us survive? Great. <laughs> Let's deal with the real shit that we got to fucking deal with. And yeah. and I appreciated that because it sort of contextualized, I think, also what Seth was just saying. My life was shitty before. I get to choose a new one. I'm going to yeah. choose this and see if that is an, is an improvement right over the the life that i had previously and also by the way someone's trying to cut our heads off so let's let's yeah. get moving you know <laughs> and I, I i thought that that's all that's all the amount of energy that that he put into it when he wrote it and i was like yeah that that feels right it, it's not like he hung a lantern on it so 
It is strange yeah. that mm -hmm. people bring their own, but I, but, but and, and then I, I'll mm -hmm. stop soapboxing after I say this, but I think that that is attendant with the other thing that we've talked about that people have bumped mm -hmm. on when they read this book is, oh, the lead character is insufferable. Oh, he's unlikable. Mm -hmm. Oh, he's this, mm -hmm. which at the end of the day, that's entirely subjective, right? That mm -hmm. is entirely dependent on what your experience is and what you're bringing to it. And I'm not saying that that's invalid, to some people, he is insufferable. When I read him, I was like, oh, I understand this guy because I felt rageful when I was young. I felt these things. So I have a great deal of empathy for this character. And so, you know, I, I'm not, I, I don't think it's like, I'm not going to slam anybody for having a strong reaction. I think, mm -hmm. if anything, that means the book is a success. Because if you write something and people are just like, yeah, it was fine. I didn't care one way or the other. That's your problem. If everybody hates you, if everybody loves you, you have a problem. If nobody cares either way, you have a problem. If some people love it and some people hate it, then you're doing the right thing. And that's kind of how I feel about this book. I These spoke books. with Robin J. Sullivan, the wife of Michael J. Sullivan yesterday um, for another podcast that I'm doing. And uh, she said that uh, there's a three-step rule. First, write a good book. Two, get it in front of the right people. And three, rinse and repeat. And the second part she said is, you can see if, so if you've written a good book, if people are talking about it. If no one talks about your book, then it's not a good book. Yeah. Um, right. So if people like Twilight is the best example. It sold millions and millions and millions of copies. People are like, I hate Twilight. Just not just the next page. Oh, I hate, I hate, I hate Twilight so much. Oh my god! And they uh, they kept reading. Um, they kept buying all your books. Bestseller, like massive bestseller. And yeah, uh, yeah right. So. I think there's no such thing as bad books. There's only books that they haven't found the right people yet. And if, if the right people are only 10 people because you're writing some really strange stuff that only 10 people resonate with, you got 10 people. That's good I, enough. So um, many years ago, some friends of mine wrote uh, a musical that actually wound up making it to Broadway and got nominated for a Tony mm -hmm. Award. And there's a song in it called Nine People's Favorite Thing. And the lyric is, I would rather be nine people's favorite thing than a hundred people's ninth favorite thing. Oh, and, that's cool. Right? And that's, I think, a good motto for anyone in a creative endeavor. Because as you were just saying, if you find nine people who love what you're doing, they'll tell mm -hmm. nine like-minded people. They will tell like-minded people. And then by the transitive property of the traveling salesman problem, right, where you exponentially mm -hmm. build out those numbers, eventually you'll have... A real audience and i and i th i think that you can't be apologetic about your work because if you write to appeal to everybody then you wind up saying nothing at all yeah that's quite true even that is a stretch right if you're looking at like really big royal road stories there is a certain there is a certain group that that loves pleasant to read stuff where numbers go up and that is amazing because i'm one of those people um, I all like, I spoke with Zogarth about this. He said, sometimes I want sushi and sometimes I want a hot dog. Mm. And if I'm not going to go, Oh, the caramelized onions on this hot dog are so amazingly well done. Like it's a hot dog. You just want to eat a hot dog and that's fine. <laughs> so nothing wrong with liking what you like is what I'm saying. That was actually a pretty good segue that you gave me there because that was very advicey. And I like advice because <laughs> the second question is usually always, what's the best advice you've ever gotten as a writer? Uh, Jonathan, for you, I would ask, what's the best advice you've ever gotten as a creative person? Um, there's a lot, and that's the reason I'm, I'm filtering through. I think at the end of the day, it's sort of distilled down to 
believe in the work that you're making and believe what you're doing and other people will believe it too, because people can smell inauthenticity. Um, people can, can ferret out when something has some ulterior motive or is agenda driven or opportunistic or whatever. And I think that if you are being honest to whatever your creative vision is, this Mm -hmm. ties directly back into what we were just talking about that, you know, it will be honest, authentic, and believable. And, um, and holding on to that when things become commodified, when it becomes mm-hmm. your job, when you start to make a living off of it, all of that kind of stuff, that's the hardest thing. And so it's like retreating back constantly to that feeling of like, I'm a kid and I just want to go play mm-hmm. in the yard because I believe that I am a, you know, a firefighter today or whatever, mm-hmm. trying to find that kernel of, of need and truth and returning back to that over and over and over. It, that to me is the reason that I've been able to maintain a career for as long as I have, because mm-hmm. I've definitely gotten into the dark times where it's mm-hmm. about like, what are the numbers? What are the metrics? What does the contract look like? And that shit just is poison. So, you know, make it from the heart and try to hold on to that as best you, you can, which is, I know a very grand and sort of like idealistic answer, but writ large, that's, that I think is, that I think is the best advice that I've ever gotten and I've tried to hang on to. Oh, and Alan Watts, the philosopher once said, this is the way to say it. If you do something for an outcome in the future, you are not doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Right. That's it for me. So <laughs> thanks. <laughs> Those are good. No, um, yeah. Yeah. I want to underline one point that you said, especially the last point if you do something because you're chasing external validation you're going to have a bad time right so if it's just about the money and not because of the money that you need to live that's always a valid reason i don't want to take the it from anyone but um i mean screw it looking at myself right when i first wrote the first torchbearer i was like oh my god only 250 people have followed this oh my god it's so bad and then i thought like but i like writing it so screw it i'm just going to keep writing it right and I think this kind of resonates with what, what you said. So definitely 100% true. Seth, what about you? Uh, so yeah, mine's kind of similar to something Jonathan touched on. But so, so as a little bit of backstory, my dad is, as most people would describe him, one of the most unique individuals on this earth. He's always spouting like weird, almost like country wisdom. <laughs> um, but a lot of my friends are like, he doesn't have a birthday. He has a day that he celebrates where his spaceship crash landed on this earth. He's just a, he's a very unique guy. I've never met anyone ever who views the world <laughs> the way that he does. Um, and I would say that in my formative years, listening to some of the things that he would say were would like immediately spark creativity. He's a he's an mm. extremely creative person. My dad is a super talented musician to the point that if perfect pitch exists and there's debate over well, whether or not it does, if it doesn't, he has the closest thing to it. If you listen to an album, uh he can tell you exactly what type like make and model of guitar and bass oh, nice. are being played on it. This is like it's in, you know, it's it's fucking wild uh he can tell you what type of battery is in a distortion pedal based on how it sounds it's he's 
this he's connected to something <laughs> the the medium of music and you know the true he's icon of music yeah mm -hmm. but he always says and just rattles off random things that are just sometimes don't make any sense you really have to learn to speak his language and it's supposedly english but he i remember one time he you know he's he's also an artist and a painter and he mm -hmm. said anytime he's painting drawing or working on music when he's trying to create stuff he just goes back to what really made him happy when he was a kid mm -hmm. and he focuses on that and he feels like that's the stuff that makes things worth making and so i always think about that like the stuff that excited me when i was a little kid and i'd go outside and i'd play with my friends and i'd you know be like leading them on these adventures and the ideas that i would have there and the way that i felt about that that's why i try to like make sure that i feel when i'm writing something if i don't if i start to feel a little bit like bleh about it, mm -hmm. it i think it's either i gotta adjust something or it's time to bail but mm -hmm. that's the best advice is just find that thing that just keeps you writing and just do it because you might not make any money so you may as well enjoy it for what it is kind of like what yeah. jonathan was saying yeah being able to actually make money off of your craft is very rare right yeah um, there's a, you know there's a lot of people out there that are producing like masterworks and they it's either sitting on their hard drive somewhere or they have 12 subscribers on royal road or whatever and mm -hmm. it's just you know there's an, there is definitely an element of luck and i would say that's another bit of advice is like be open to just about any opportunity say yes to yeah. what makes sense and a, a lot makes sense when you start saying yes more it, it's, it's the one thing where eminem wasn't right you'd have more than one shot um <laughs> yeah, yeah you got i believe that luck is nothing more than being open to opportunity because opportunity presents itself daily you just have to be um calm and relaxed and happy enough to go like yeah i'll do that yeah, and in the right. line of fire when it when it finally does <laughs> happen. Yeah, then you just yeah, just kinda keep going. Like again, spas, by the way. I was sitting in a spa going like let the cat in the meme. I should do a podcast. And, then, <laughs> and I did, right? So yeah. yeah, like it's a really cool feeling once you get a hang of it. Just let's just do it and fuck it. Nothing's yeah. gonna happen. It definitely won't happen if you don't do something. Like if you if you sit on your great manuscript of a novel and it, there's a vulnerability there too because you're like okay i'm gonna put this out there and people are gonna rip it to shreds or they're gonna love it maybe or they're probably gonna hate it kind of thing and you put that out there mm -hmm. but if you don't do that zero people are that's part of that opportunity open yourself up to that opportunity and see what happens it doesn't even matter if they like it or not yeah exactly as long as you like it as right? long as don't you let... as yeah. a five-year-old would have loved it <laughs> then you're good I think that some of what this is, 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 is just boils down to stop asking for permission too, right? Mm -hmm. Like you don't yeah. need, per that's one of the reasons that I have always tried to write while I was doing my acting career is because mm -hmm. acting is so much waiting around for the phone to ring and I can get up every morning and write whatever I want. And I don't know, especially mm -hmm. as, as, on the writing side of things, why one would spend a bunch of energy worrying 
about what people are going to think or how they're going to recite all the, all the stuff that gets in the way of just giving yourself permission to do the thing that you want to do and make the thing that you want to make. Just give yourself permission to do that work. Cause I feel like people who will listen to a podcast like this or people who are in this community, because it is the slit RPG community too, is still is emerging. And I think people are, I see new writers popping up all the time. And so, you know, what I would tell anybody who's like, how do you go about doing it? You just do it. Just do it. Don't mm -hmm. ask so many questions. Just jump in and give it a shot. You know, I think that that's... And stick with it. Um, yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the secret ingredient to greatness isn't talent. It's endurance. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think so, too. Another thing I spoke, with, spoke to Robin about. Do you guys believe there's actually something as natural talent? I do. Yeah, I yeah, but you can have all that natural talent, in my opinion. And if an opportunity is missed or you don't pursue the what we were talking about, you don't pursue those opportunities at all, then natural talent is just, you know, sitting on the fence. Hmm. So I personally believe there's no such thing as natural talent. I believe that every skill is learnable, but as kids, we learn faster. And as kids, we find something so fascinating that we completely fall in love with. I'm just going to take the example that Seth mentioned, you know, kind of like really listening to music and really finding out which guitar is which, because it's fun to us as a kid. It's, it gives us a, a sense of achievement and accomplishment. And then if we do that for a while, then that suddenly, as we got older, it's, oh, it's he's so talented. When actually it was just like, hey, I fell in love with it. And I do believe that as you grow older, it gets harder to replicate that, but you can still do it. That I think that's valid. I think that's fair. Then maybe I would modify it to maybe it's semantics. There, I think natural instincts, right? Things that you are drawn to instinctually that you want to invest that childlike enthusiasm into. If you get on a skateboard for the first time and it feels natural to you, then you're going to be more compelled to want to keep doing it, right? So, yeah. so maybe it's not about talent in and of itself as is this sort of mysterious entity that you know only some people have but i do think that yes i think we are drawn in the direction of the things that we are instinctually guided toward and i do think a lot of people either because of fear or sometimes because their family discourages or whatever people do have those instincts stifled and i think that that's where the suffocation of creativity can can really wreck a potential gift that someone has to offer. Because I would also, I, I keep thinking if you asked earlier, what's the best advice? One of the other best pieces of advice I ever got is don't think about the work that you're making as something that you're asking for. I'm asking for your approval. I'm asking for you to read yeah. it. I'm asking for your love, but think of it as a gift that you're giving to people. And then when you give someone a gift, you don't get to tell them what they do with it. If I give you a piece of art, I don't tell you where to hang it or what to do, or you put it in your closet, you can do whatever you want. I've given the gift cool. and now I'm free of the responsibility. And I think that that's- <laughs> It's like know. the ring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but that's, that's, that's pretty, yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. Thinking about it as a gift. Um, yeah. And also like, it's theirs now. If they throw it on the ground, then sure, go ahead. Yeah, that's right. Do it. It's that's yours. Right. That's right. Yeah. That's like it's um, it, and one of the hardest things I think personally for any writer or any creative person is is taking rejection not as something where it's like I don't like you as a person, but <laughs> um, it's it's like I have looked at this, I have read it, I have seen it, 
And in me personally, my personal belief system or history or background kind of filtered this entire thing and it made something really unpleasant within me. And somehow now I make you responsible for my feelings. That's completely different, right? Hard to maintain because it's kind of complicated, but um, definitely. Right. The thing and, and, but feelings aren't real, right? Like they're not, they don't actually, they aren't like real. They're just manifestations of our experiences coming mm -hmm. through the prism of our, you know, response to a thing. And I, I guess I, Seth and I've talked about this too. It's like, look, I would, I, there are people who think I'm the worst fucking narrator on the planet. Like, and they're not afraid to say it loudly. <laughs> and respond to you on Facebook oh, with that opinion. <laughs> and here's the thing, like that bums me out, but not for the reason that you might think, not because mm -hmm. it hurts my feelings, but because I don't do this to make people unhappy. And I yeah. do the job to try and give people a nice experience or mm -hmm. an escape or whatever. So it makes me sad. Like for them, I'm sad that you didn't have a good time listening to the thing I did, but mm -hmm. your feelings about me have not, my wife is the most evolved person I've ever met. And she, someone gave her a compliment and she was like, oh, okay. And I remember saying to her, I was like, <laughs> why, why didn't you say thank you? She was like, I know, I know I probably should. She goes, but I don't understand what I'm thanking someone for when it's not about me. I was like, what do you mean? She's like, well, I'm glad that they thought I looked nice in this dress or whatever, but that's about the way they feel, not about me. She's like, I guess if I feel fine about the way I look, I don't really give a shit what they think. And I was like, you just blew my goddamn mind. But it sort of changed the way that I interact with all of this stuff that we're talking about. Um, that said, by the way, everything we're talking about is really hard, I feel like, and requires a deep daily practice to try and remind yourself. I, I don't know, Seth, you feel to me in the time I've known you like, you actually are very naturally gifted at just letting that shit roll off your back. Oh yeah. I, not a lot really bothers me. So I think I was telling you this a couple of days ago through discord, but mm -hmm. uh, like I write this angry character. I write these blustery characters and I can, I can get pretty gregarious at times, but I'm not an angry person. I have a very high boiling point. I'm surrounded my immediate family <laughs> growing <laughs> up. They're all hotheads. Uh, so but I learned to kind of be that, you know, that diplomatic source and yeah. see this anger. And I find anger pretty funny, honestly, which, really, <laughs> which by the way, being at like a college bar and being like 23 and some dude's super pissed off and you're like very amused by it. It can, it can be, it can be a challenge because they, then yeah. they think that you're making fun of them, which usually I am, but I was usually taller than them. So they're fine. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I feel like I'm pretty laid back. I, I see the like negative responses and I accept them for what they are. And, you know, I, I look at them. I don't get bummed out by any like negative feedback. It's just not in my nature. I'm very live or let live in that sort of thing because, yeah, it's the different experiences they had. I wrote something. The way I kind of think of it is there's really there isn't really a a middle ground with big sticky barbarian when it comes to reviews and opinions on it. And I think Jonathan touched on this earlier. They they're either like passionate and positive or they're passionate and negative and there's no in between. It's you love it or you want to drive to my house and kick me in the face. I don't it's and that's the thing. It's like when I see those negative things, the way that my brain translates it as you know, I, I evoked an emotion in them. They did not appreciate it. And that's fine. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, you were mentioning, like I, I, I created an instance of this 
whatever this emotion raw and unfettered as it might be inside their heads. And they decided they cared enough to tell me about it. And there's, mm -hmm. there's a, there's a genuinity in that because they want you to know that's like your example of you get the painting and you throw it on the ground. Well, then after they throw it on the ground, they drive by your house and scream that they threw it on the ground because of this. That's, you know, that's kind of how it is, but that's, yeah. Once again, I don't want to say it's not my problem because yeah, I care about the experience as well, but you, you just, I just know that you can't please anybody, everybody. And sometimes anybody, and I wouldn't have written this book in this way if I was very concerned with everybody liking it. Mm -hmm. um, and that's not, and I don't mean that in like an arrogant way. It's just, I wanted to write this and I knew going into it that it was not going to be for everybody, but I still felt like I wanted to write it like this. Mm -hmm. I had different versions drafted. As I was mentioning, there was like an Andy Dwyer version from parks and rec. This, it just ended up being this way. And it, it doesn't really bother me too much. I take it mm -hmm. for what it is. And then if it's valid, I try to see if it's valid for like, as far as criticism for the future. And if it is, I mean, I kind of take that from there and just continue on, but yeah, I don't, I don't really let anything bother me too much. Can, can I ask one last really important question of you? Yeah. Is genuine, genuinity actually a word? I don't fucking know, man. I just make this shit. Right. I put the yeah, words, yeah. I put yeah. sonderously in book two and I knew it wasn't a word and the editor was like fighting me on it. And I was like, I'm keeping, I'm keeping this word. He wasn't fighting me, but it was just like question mark. And I was like, sonderously. I heard you say genuinity of, uh, about a minute and a half ago and it's just been stuck in my head ever since. So now I'm just, <laughs> yeah, now I'm gonna look anyway, sorry. I just felt like that was the important question we needed to get to at the, at the end of the day. Uh, What's the right now? Oh no, my God. Is it, it might be genuineness. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe. Anyway, yeah. genuine, Thanks. genuine necessity. I have no idea. Um, <laughs> genuine necessity. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um. Uh, there's so much stuff I could still ask, but we need to actually move on <laughs> because I've grown time conscious with this podcast. Whoa. Because, yeah, because every hour that I'm recording takes at least two to edit. So. Oh yeah, I know oh, that. Good. I know that feel. Yeah. 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 Have you ever done any any video editing, Jonathan? You must have. I, I do not do my own editing. Um <laughs> I I fortunately well I've I, I only work with companies like I work with the big publishing houses or Podium, which is yeah. also now yeah. very quickly becoming a very big publishing house. And they have yeah. teams of people who do it themselves. And so I just send raw files and everyone I've never mastered or, or edited my own stuff. Um and yeah. then one you know, when mm -hmm. I movies and stuff like that i obviously get professionals to do it so and here we're getting back to the rage issue um i'm not a very angry person usually I'm a very chill laid-back guy but if something doesn't go the way i want it to when i thought it would be easy oh that grinds my gears <laughs> audio editing is one of those things sometimes so um this is why I'm well, getting time conscious. <laughs> we're, we're making it as difficult as possible for you oh it's fine that's us that's our brand. <laughs> McLean and McDuffie here to make it real fucking hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Uh, please, no. <laughs> We're a headache in two people. <sighs> two, two, two peas in a, two peas in a, yeah. two peas in a migraine, I think is the, two. a piece in a piece in <laughs> yeah, skull. Exactly. Um, <laughs> excuse me. I'm only 10,000 bees in a trench coat. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> the image is, is just too great, right? So I, at one point, I was in a forum, and that one guy, like one moderator, literally his username was 10,000 bees in a trench coat. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. That's good. That's good. Any who's all. For both of you, actually, whoever talks first can go first. Uh, what's one thing that you learned while writing or performing and that you will go back and edit or change? Uh, I would say the most important thing that I learned is to uh, take breaks. And I wish I had done that before because I, as I told Jonathan many times, I'm I'm essentially like a word goblin. Like I will sit in one place. I've got a, I got a pretty high, you know, Guam. And so I can type pretty fast. That's a throwback to growing up in the chat room era. And yeah. uh, I will bang out like seven to sometimes like 11,000 words without really like getting up or doing anything else, which is by the way, terrible for you. Don't do it if, uh, if you're doing it frequently and like a month and a half of that every single day. But yeah, I'll just, I'll, I get locked in hyper fixated on something and I'll just, I'll go. And mm. I would say I've since <laughs> been like working on developing those, like take a break, maybe drink some tea take a walk stare at something other than a pixelated screen for 10 minutes. Like I would say that mine, mine is much more about the, the physical process of writing and, and making it more convenient for myself. And that's what I would go back and do. Awesome. So it's not changing um, what you wrote, but changing what you do, how you do it. Yeah. Okay. Essentially. I would just give myself a break. I mean, an emotional break, not, not judge the work, you know, I, oh. I, I think it's very easy. I have a tendency to judge a performance or judge a thing I've written. Um, and, uh, and that's, that's something that I've gotten good about not doing anymore, just doing it and not judging it. And, um, and that's been useful in other parts of my life too. It's just made me a less judgmental person sort of writ large. And, uh, I, I'd go back and do that a lot sooner. Cause I think I spent a number of years really twisted up in knots by viewing my shit from the outside instead of just doing the thing and letting other people, this is all part and parcel of the, of the conversation that we've been having. Mm -hmm. That's what I would do. I would just get to that place a lot sooner because it makes the work a lot more fun. Yeah. I mean, like it's easy to say that, right? I'll yeah. just, I'll just be mentally healthy sooner. Um, but I mean, obviously it's, it's hard because Wherever you are, there you go. No, wherever you go, there you are. So, right, hundred percent. Um, but it is it. But it, but I, but I do think to your point about maybe there isn't such a thing as natural talent, but that these are skills we can develop and evolve. Hmm. I think similarly, you hmm. know, daily practice and like getting your hooks around the idea of practicing behavior that's healthy for you or in the case of what Seth was talking about getting into the habit as soon as you can of developing mm -hmm. a sense of um continuum and balance will allow you by the way to have greater longevity in whatever the thing it is that you're doing yes. you know you because you get burnt out in any number of ways and so the sooner you can do the sooner you can do hard work of making your life easier the less you have to confront the struggle of not doing that later. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. 
Uh, shout out to my right arm. Fucking t-shirt. <laughs> Get this man a screen printer. <clears throat> uh, shout outs to my right arm, which is uh, constantly in a state of agony because I just can't get the right angle anymore i need a small <laughs> keyboard um oh my god thank you for saying keyboard <laughs> anyway continue we'll keep going we'll edit that out right this is a fucking christian podcast Seth. <laughs> <laughs> oh oh fuck <laughs> yeah man is there fucking is there hell. i know that there's i know that there's like cozy lit rpg and casual lit rpg yes. is there spiritual lit rpg out there that i don't know about like stuff that focuses Wait, on spirituality as its emphasis is there a, a subgenre of the genre of cultivation the sub-genre? yeah so i was gonna say probably the closest it? thing would be it but i feel like there you know i feel like you probably introducing gods and stuff like that and maybe a cleric character but wait, like religion wait. or anything like that would be i don't know Wait, 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 wait. So can, can you explain more what you're thinking about? This, <laughs> this, might, this a, might be good. So yeah, there's <laughs> yeah. about to be a ton of new spiritually themed lit RPGs. So talk to us. Like, what are you thinking? You, Seth. No, no, you, you asked. Sorry, I was petting my dog. Oh, oh, oh what, I thought Seth was explaining that because I'm the one with the question. I get, yeah, what I mean yeah. is, is there, I, I know that there are some lit RPGs that famous ones that dance in the neighborhood of um, sort of political commentary or discourse or have very specific points of view and opinions that, you know, maybe not that's the primary theme, but that, that emerges. And so I'm just curious if anybody knows if there is uh, that out there where someone is really delving into this idea of exist. I guess at its core, it feels like it would be an opportunity there's an opportunity to do it if one wanted to, because the very nature of lit RPG sort of deals with existentialism, right? Like yeah. Isekai at least is, has, is a, is a, is a derivative of that as a concept. So I'm just curious if anyone's ever written something that's like, I'm on this soul searching mission. It's not about searching for, um, uh, artifacts or getting OP or any of that, but it's mm-hmm. actually about finding myself within the framework of some other grand metaphor. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that that's out there. I just, I'm, I don't know if it, I don't know if it's like a thing or if that's, or if that's a, <laughs> I mean, or if that's a, an outlier out of an idea. Mine. Um, I'm writing a female character who um, goes from this very angry person with PTSD to finding herself. One of the taglines of my novel is um, a novel about AI finding your true self and uh, fighting against slavery, I think. So a little bit. I'm very interested in writing lit RPG that actually has soul, right? Where it's not just yeah. like, much like you, Seth, right? Where it's not just like... Uh, <clears throat> like It's not just numbers go up. Yeah. Mm. Numbers go up will carry your story very far. Look at Zogarth. Shout out to him. Love the guy. Like Primal Hunter is a great novel. But... It's a, it's a sitcom. You know, uh, Friends ran for how many seasons? 13, 18, right? 10. Um, 10. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and so Lit RPG is very much a sitcom of novels. It's pulp mm-hmm. fiction. And that's perfectly legit because people need that. Otherwise, it wouldn't, wouldn't exist. People wouldn't buy it. But they don't come to Lit RPG for deep explorations of spirituality. Exactly as, as you wouldn't go to friends to kind of experience the, the horror of human existence. 
um, fine. <laughs> um, so we talked about what would improve. Um, and I'm going to include the very funny thing that we just all ha all shared in the bonus <laughs> material. So go subscribe to my Patreon, please. I need money because subscribe to his Patreon. He needs money. Give him money so much all of your money. I lost my job, and I have to find a new one. And I would oh, love God. to actually actually live off of this. Oh, it's fine. I'll tell you about it later. Um, <laughs> it's it will be fine. See, there we go again with the positivity, right? It's going to be fine. Mm -hmm. I can. I mean, I can, I can do this. everything will be fine eventually. Yeah. Right. One way or another. There was a German saying during the hard times. It's all going to be fine in the end. And if it isn't fine, it isn't the end. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. All right. Now, let me try again. <laughs> Good luck. So we've just had a small cutout. And if you want to listen to that, you can go to the Patreon and listen to it there. You can even listen to me mentioning that it's on a podcast again and then continue to do another segue. But because this is a professional show, I would love to know from you guys what's one book that you love and why is it awesome? Uh, Seth, why don't you start? Uh, so, you know, I'll do one in genre and one out. If that, uh... Oh, it's two. Um... Yeah, okay. No, I'll no, allow it. Yes, thank you. I appreciate your generosity. It is yes, as you should. <laughs> you, are, you, are, you are a very generous God. Um, yeah, I know. Well, 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 it's a new ad. If you're interested in having your story shouted out on this podcast, please reach out to me under critrpg.podcast at gmail.com. For now, I just finished the first book in my own series, Torchbearer. If you like a slow burn story about weak to OP main characters, mixing magic and technology and numbers going up, you might also enjoy this one. You can find the link to my link tree down below. And that's all for now. Thank you very much for listening and or watching. And let's get on with the show. We were just talking so, about confidence. This is good. <laughs> this is not like some underground thing, uh, but I would say the, the locked tomb uh, mm. series and we were talking about it you have it on your your bookshelf back there with mm -hmm. starting with Gideon the ninth going into harrow the ninth uh nona the ninth and i think there's another one coming out soon yes um fucking love it every single person should uh read it if you mm -hmm. need a snippet of what it's about it is about necromantic lesbian space scoths and that yes. is all you need to know there are elements of like really really good humor awesome action sequences just very unique world building um yes. and it's technically kind of like a sci-fi and fantasy wrapped into one uh but yeah yes. I, I would say that or i've been on a big red rising kick again that whole series oh. fucking slaps love it uh inside the genre uh i will say i'm gonna i'm gonna shout out to my boy haylock uh i'm gonna say oh uh heretical Wait, fishing you need to say the name right give me one second um it's not just haylock Actually, one second. I need to wait for this thing to load. You need to say his name right. His name is actually Halo. Oh. <laughs> Holy shit. Stop it. <laughs> Fucking stop it. That's awesome. Uh, uh, so, yeah, when, oh, I, when I say Halo, then you can edit that in. Or do you want me to do it like that? Uh, actually, actually, uh, that's why I, I wasn't prepared. You need to say it again. Three, two, one. I would like to give a shout out to my boy, Halo. Jobson. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Halo Jobson has crafted a heretical fishing. It's a cozy slice of life about Isekai, about a guy who 
goes fishing and all the crazy shit that that happens i cannot remember it's like about pissing off cults and that's like the sub tag but it's just excellent it's on royal road um and it's on his patreon and if you get a shot to check that out please do because it's really really good it's going to be released as a premium real KU book too and they've got a kick-ass narrator for it it is not Jonathan McLean but almost as good or maybe just as good I don't want to throw anyone under the bus they're all amazing (laughs) so um all right Jonathan why are you shouting out merchant crab (laughs) (laughs) I mean mean, uh, well first of all it touched my heart in a way that nothing else has yeah. So there's that. Um, second Thank of you. all, uh, I have a financial obligation because it's a paid sponsorship. <laughs> so there's that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So there's that. There's a series that I'm actually going to be narrating in starting in the new year um, called I Ran Away to Evil by Mystic Neptune. No, you are. You are no. Oh, yeah. that's so cool. Yeah. And um, oh. And I've started reading through it to get prepared for it. And I mm. just fucking love So you know it. Yeah. Mystic was on show number five with her husband. Oh, she um, was? Mystic okay. Yeah. She's, she's so lovely. And yeah, she's lovely. And I just, it's, it's the sweetest goddamn book. I just love it. And I'm, I'm really excited about it. And again, it's a book about anger. Because yeah. she made it so that the acronym spells out irate. Yeah. It is thoughtful. It is layered. It is, but it, it's just got so much heart, and it's funny. And I and she's great, and I'm excited about that. So that's one that I would pimp. Absolutely. To those who, to those of you who don't know, it's a story about a noble girl who gets kicked out by her dad, basically, and like go and kill the evil lord. And she goes to the evil lord. And the evil lord is busy doing something else, so they just like have tea instead. And that's the entire premise of it. And there's a mysterious character in the background manipulating the entire world to kind of be nicer to each other. It is heartwarming. It is it's wonderful. Great. And and it's yeah. dual narration, so it'll be alternate. So it'll be me and I don't know the female narrator, but it'll be the two of us sharing responsibilities. Mm. Well, that's not oh yeah, I can totally see you as a dark lord. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> I just I mean I mean this as a compliment. Dark Lord, no, no, please don't no. kill me. That's like the nicest thing that's going to be said to me this week. Thank you very much. <laughs> I mean, Seth literally just told you that you wanted one of his two favorite people. Most yeah, people. that's true. That's, that is true. That's true. <laughs> okay. I mean, I, I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. You know, you've surpassed. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a shout out. Can you tell us about a book that you've read that you like for its craftiness and where you're like, these are the six things that make this book so amazing. Well, here's the thing. I don't read unless I'm paid to. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I have to pay him to read my text messages. So yeah, 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 yeah. I did. And, and I, I feel like I'm giving Seth the friend rate too. So um... <laughs> it's, it's $45 a text, which beats the nineties, but um, I can just imagine this like you sending him a text and he just automatically sends it back via voicemail like he needs an outreach on your text <laughs> yeah he, I, I send him a text and he sends me a link to Venmo <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean I, I, honestly honestly um, there's no way to not make this a shout out too I mean honestly yeah. the books Seth's books these three books, Aww. 
No, I'm dead serious. They do so many things right. They do so many things that I think I would want to emulate. Um, and I, I just feel like there's a courageousness in doing what there is. Fuck it. There is. There's mm -hmm. a courageousness into going into something, knowing that it's going to be polarizing, but doing it anyway, mm -hmm. because it feels like you have to get the story out and tell it. And the other thing that Seth does, and there are a few other writers that do this, but Big Sneaky does this better than almost anything I've seen is it is very hard mm -hmm. to do a, a swift left turn from hard comedy into something that is heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. Like that's not easy to do. And that's a well-developed skill um, that our friend here has. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's self-serving, but, and I don't give a shit. Like, listen to the audiobook, don't listen to the audiobook, read it, just consume it. Because I think that it's it's worth your time. And I think, you know, I, I think that there is something valuable about engaging with a world that might not be immediately accessible through a character who might feel a little bit challenging. But the thing about confronting challenges is that there's, you know, when the reward comes, it feels all the more gratifying because you've, mm -hmm. you've hammered through. So, so there you go. Uh, or you can read any of the filthy fucking erotic romances I've written. Because <laughs> that, that shit is filthy. Did you, did you write under your real name? Did you publish under your real name? Or I, I did. Name? So here's the funny thing. I published under my name, but I narrate them under a pseudonym. <laughs> <laughs> and the best part about that is that, and she wanted me to write under my own name because she's like, you've got a Wikipedia page and da da da. And she's like, because we're writing books together, there mm. aren't a lot of men doing this. People will think that I made it up as like a marketing ploy or something. She's like, you mm. need to be verifiable. And I was like, all right, fine. But I narrate under a pseudonym. And my favorite part is, People, when I read comments like, love the book. The narration is fucking terrible. Like, why didn't they just get the author to narrate it? He couldn't be worse than this guy. And I'm like, yeah, that's what that's worth the price of admission right there. That's that's so and this is why I let things roll right off my back. Because yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of uninformed opinions out there and oh, a lack yes. of genuinity. Yes. Awesome. Uh, genealogy. Yes. <laughs> It's a good callback. I mean, us as intellectuals are completely above such rabble. Yes, <laughs> quite, quite. Oh, sorry, man. sorry, I have to leave. I have to go to the monocle doctor. <laughs> you, ex excuse me, I would like to leave. Please bring me the door. <laughs> uh, uh, or my favorite one is, go ahead, please, strew the caviar over the floor. I want to see the rabble slide. No. <laughs> uh. Um, no, we I call mean, that I we call that Tuesday. Yeah, I mean, I don't get. Yeah, exactly. I don't get why that's funny. Like that. that <laughs> we were just talking to my rich sentiments. We were just yeah. talking about like making the heart left. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. I was just trying, trying to say, like, I, I can't do it as well as Seth. I'm so sorry. Um, no, 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 that's heartbreaking. <laughs> there we go. Um, I got you. Okay. Uh, well, we did shoutouts. We did all the other stuff. Um, and in this case. I think we are already at the end of the show. It's been great. It's pretty good. You're very, hey. you, you can edit this out if you want, or, or you can let the world know that, that this is true. You're very good at this. I've done a bunch of yeah. these. This is delightful. Yeah, this you are, you are, yeah, very communicative style. Very, just, uh, very natural. You're like, you're like the Larry King of podcasts or, <laughs> you know, you just yeah. 
you know exactly where to field it. There's no awkward pauses. I was I was thinking the exact same thing. I was like, I've done other podcasts. I have a podcast, which is like, you know, it's like five people all playing Dungeons and Dragons, which is completely different. But in interview style, I have sat through some hot dumpster, like flaming trailer trash stuff. And it is this is just a, a breath of fresh air. I, I, I mean, I heard, you know, other episodes, so I knew mm. that. But you're excellent at kind of like switching the vibe depending on what we're talking about. And just, you know, Im Im improvisation is definitely a key in here. But yeah, you're great at it. So congratulations on being yeah, this is, fucking this was awesome. A joy. Yeah, this is yeah, a joy. Excellent. Thank you. It's all my childhood trauma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, as they, but as they say in Collectivet, oh, thank you. I don't do, really do, do the compliments. Thank you. But yes, I'm very bad at them. Um, I got to show you this, that, that video later. Um, this has been a good RPG podcast. Thank you so much for coming in, everyone. And thank you for the kind words. And now you have to stay for a little bit because it still has to upload it and we have to do a little bit of bonus content. Um, and Flora <laughs> will probably going to be stabbing me in the stomach. Um, but that's fine. Is it is it your first date? No, no, no. Oh, okay, fine. No, no, fine. <laughs> no, no. She, uh, she, she, um, she and I have been like something with benefits for a while now. <laughs> oh, great. Okay, good. Yeah, that's fun. Like we 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 have we make out. It's fun. I love um, it. She's really good at fencing, apparently. <laughs>